That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. All I right. think we, we got it. Today, I'm very excited because I get to talk to my friend Anne, who is a fancy friend I know from Boston. When we, well, we, I knew her from Work Bar before I worked there, which is a co-working space in Boston. And I got to know her while working with her when I was later hired to do events um, at Work Bar in Boston. Mm -hmm. After I left Work Bar, my goal was to move back to Boston, uh, from Boston to LA. And my good friend Anne, uh, beat me to it and, and moved there before I could. Um, so I, I was looking through my old Google like drive or something because like it was getting too much, you know, eating up too much space. So I had to like, delete something stuff. And I guess somebody from Work Bar at the like the holiday party that I did in like 2007 or sorry, 2017 was like this video of all these people doing like the Cupid shuffle and they had like glow sticks. And I've done a lot of things that I'm super proud of since then in the past three years. But like that was like the last kind of, big like you know golf shot like yeah like 300 people came everybody was happy there yeah. was food and bread and stuff like that and I guess it was something that I was super proud of but more than anything I just looked back and I was like I just feel much different you know three years ago than I do now and it's not like anything other than the global pandemic hasn't really <laughs> happened for me personally it's just that I feel like um I feel different I feel like I've grown I feel like I've learned a lot I feel like um you know, that there's just been, for lack of a better phrase, growth. It's just funny to, to kind of look back to those days. And so I guess my question to you is, how do you look back on your Boston days? Um, so like, I've been feeling really nostalgic for Boston lately. Um, <laughs> uh, even though I live in California, which is like paradise. But um, I think I think my job as like the head of events for Work Bar as a whole is one of the things I'm most proud of. Um, I feel like I stepped into that role with like little to no strong experience in event planning. I had, I had worked for an AmeriCorps program and stuff, but um, so just like being able to step into that role and feel like I was successful in creating a sense of community in the year that I was in that position was is something I am really proud of. And I, um, I do feel like Work Bar, at least at that time, had a really strong sense of community. And I feel like a lot of those people are still in my life, which is kind of a special thing. Um, I did a lot of cool events. I think one of my favorites was we did like a pop-up Shakespeare uh, oh, yeah. thing. We had like a traveling theater company come do a pop-up Shakespeare performance in our, in our event space. And I just like things like that I enjoyed because I feel like they were not the kind of things that people had brought into the space before that. And it created a really like unique programming um, aspect to the community. And like, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was like uh, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think I felt it felt really fun to be able to like choose those kinds of things. Um, and I do miss that freedom to like pick what kind of events I wanted to bring in somewhere and I don't know. Yeah. We call that OG work bar as you, that was your title. Yeah. OG work bar, OG, OG work bar with well, like you, the original you, team. What's that? It's just like the an original, you know, the original team. You still have like uh, yeah. Devin and Emily and. Yeah. Um, anyway. No, so, so I was going to say is that like, so from <laughs> um, as somebody, see my work bar is a funny thing for me because literally like everything that I have today can be pinpointed to like a specific event. Like I, I was into, into film and someone uh, was the guy named Sean was super into film and he hired me to help him with his film. And then he started something called the Boston calendar. 
And from there it sprawled into doing work for City Awake and doing events and doing, you know, music videos. Mm -hmm. And for my, so I just think it's funny that that's like, like literally the, 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 my friend Amanda, who I work on videos with, I met at the original work bar and, you know, then like five years, 10 years later, we were doing videos for a client because they were also at work bar. And so it's just, it all comes around to that. But I guess the thing I would say to bring it back to you is that I remember so clearly, cause you, you know, you're talking about like, you know, picking events that were, that you really resonated with you is that from my perspective, when I look back at that, those days, the golden, the golden years, you know, like it was very much um, you know, when I think about work bar, no offense to anyone else, I think about you and Abby and Alexis and Marianne and people like that. And I know that to the listeners that you don't really know who those people are maybe, but the point is, is that like, when you have a, an organization where like the, the customer facing group is in alignment with the product, then not only is yeah. that like a good thing, but like from the point is, is like, it was very clear that you guys were, you folks were doing uh, some you're doing things that you really resonated with and that you loved and yeah you know. I mean since that time like I think one of the biggest things that I took for granted during so I came to work bar in a really circuitous way like I came from the nonprofit worlds I like whatever so I kind of came to co-working pretty randomly um, and I think at that point in my life I really just like took for granted how important the people on your team are and how much like um that influences like the culture at large and how you interact with your customers and everything. And um, it's something that has like certainly been missing in jobs since. Um, and so I do think that like work bar gave me kind of like a bar to aim for in terms of like my comfort level with my coworkers and my feeling of um, like being able to do work that I really cared about. Um, like all of those kinds of things were really influenced by the people around me at that time. And yeah, I guess I just at that point in my life in my like late 20s, I really took for granted that that was like a lot of workplaces. And, you know, it's like, unfortunately, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, um, well, because it's, it's like, it was, so it was a really unique environment to to gain experience in as a young person. Um, and I think, think co-working uniquely can give that sometimes. So, so, yeah, it sounds like, you know, for both of us, work bar was a pretty uh, a pivotal, like it, it came to us in a pivotal time of our lives. So I guess my question to you is, um, you know, what did you learn from your time there? Um, and maybe you can even say, you know, who do you have to thank for it, but just what did you learn and how have you grown since that time? Yeah. Um, so the person who was in the head of events role when I started at work bar, um, really took me under her wing. I feel like she saw that I had an interest and an aptitude for it. And, um, and so she like really helped let me basically help her <laughs> run events and like see how she did things and you know at the time she was and is like the queen of Boston like she knows all the people she's worked at all the bars like whatever so she was a really good person to learn from um about the sort of like events world um and uh I don't know ever since I, like, I think from her, I learned, like, that it's okay to be your authentic self in a workspace and still be successful at something. Um, like, I feel like she didn't spend a lot of time trying to project a certain image. Like, she's kind of alternative, but kind of not. And she's pretty nerdy. And she just sort of, like, was really truly herself. And um, it kind of taught me to look for an environment where, like, you are free to be your authentic self and you know and let that guide 
some of the work atmosphere that you're in. I feel like a lot of my negative work situations have been ones where I felt really restricted or ones where I didn't feel like I was allowed to be myself or where my input wasn't really valued or my unique perspective. And I feel like that confidence in my unique perspective and my desire to, to make a mark on the culture like really comes from her um, and the time that like we worked together um, for sure. And I think <sighs> work bar was like my community 2.0 training. Um, I did two years of service with city year and stayed on as part of the staff for city or Boston after that. And um, if you don't know city or is like a, <laughs> it's a lovely organization, but it is also like camp on steroids. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a really good like crash course on how to build a team and how to build a community. And so I feel like work bar was sort of my next level of that building. Um, and we'll like get to it later, but these are like things that I've thought about recently as I kind of plan for my future and where I want to go from here, where I am right now, which, um, is like still in co-working. Um, but yeah, I learned a lot about community in that place, um, and how to like, not just the community within your walls, but on your street, on your block, in your 10 mile radius, like how to bring people together, um, which was really cool. Yeah, why do you why do you think it's important to bring people together? Like what what draws you to that? Well, I think there is something really satisfying about being whether it's like an event or a program that you're running or anything, the ability like to foster an atmosphere um, where people feel welcome and want to participate I can't speak for other people but for me it always feels very powerful to know that like you are the person who is able to like organize all the logistics of that and create it and so that everybody who is coming into it feels like it's effortless there's something really cool about that for me I also I mean like as I think we've learned from COVID like community is more important than maybe we ever realized so being able to like be near others to share experiences to be able to share interests in different settings is like something I everybody really misses <clears throat> more than ever and um I am not a particularly social person myself like I don't really like I am not the person who can roll up at a party and like do well so I really like event planning and running programming and doing these things because it gives me like a job <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm really good at orchestrating a good vibe if I don't have to like be the center of it if that makes sense yeah. so mm -hmm. I feel like it gives me a job that allows me to be um more confidently social as well which is like kind of an interesting yeah, yeah. little I'm, like side I'm, thing I've I'm learned about myself and also like feeling like a just like a just like a part of anything like feeling a, a part of something um always feels nice and um events are not the only way to do it obviously and I have a lot of other ways I think I would like to create that sense of community moving into the future well let's hear about um, it yeah well I don't know I don't <laughs> so I've been yeah I've been applying to grad school so I'm in the application process to get my MSW oh cool um I have a background in nonprofit work and then in co-working so and then obviously like events and marketing but through those two industries and so like I have a really strong sense of like of mission and needing to feel really tied to the work that I'm doing and, and feel like it's putting 
good into the world. Um, and then I also have this really like interesting, unique community aspect of co-working, which is very difficult to describe in which you as a community manager act as like a babysitter and a therapist and a, um, and a secretary and a, like all these different things and a manager and all this different shit. Um, and so those two really unique perspectives, I think I would like to get my MSW. Um, and I think I want to create my own community space. Um, I take some inspiration from the women's center in Cambridge. Um, so when I, when I drove cross country the first time after I, I left work bar, um, you know, I, I had gotten a job, <laughs> I left work bar. And then about a week later, I was doing videos at work bar for one of the work bar companies. So, and what's weird is about a year later, they hired me to work for, hired me to do videos too. So it's a very, it, it just keeps coming back to that. But what's interesting, I, I think I told you this, but I can't remember. The point is that I drove cross country from Boston to LA. And when I got to LA, I basically went to Santa Monica because I was kind of near where a friend of mine I was staying at was. I parked my car, went to the ocean, you know, saw the ocean, walked a block and went into your co-working space that you hadn't worked in yet and asked them about events. Did you know that? Yeah, funny. I didn't know that, but it, it tracks for me because um, it's like it's in the same network of spaces. Um, there are only so many sort of like longstanding and locally operated co-working spaces left, I think. So it's funny to me because like the other thing that I learned from work bar and from living in Boston is just like how small the world is once you start sort of like uh like making wherever you're working the center of your community like co-working is a small community even across like I did I went to the GWA conference which was obviously virtual a couple weeks ago you know and like a number of speakers were like staples or work bar people and like that was kind of just like weird to me you know like um because I had I also took a long break from co-working but um I think you just start to realize like how, <laughs> how small of a world it is um I've met people on I was on a community manager call the other day and I'm from a very small town in Northern Illinois. Um, it's a village. It's not a town. It does not have its own post office. Like no one's heard of it. Not even people from the Chicago area. And I was on a community manager call from with women all around the country. And this one woman like lives in my hometown. Like she's not from there. She's just like, she lives there. Oh my God. It was very, you know, like such a, like a little, no one is ever from my hometown. It's, um, is we it's got like six thousand people in it well so and you know what i mean like you're like on i'm i've moved to the west coast i've you know what i mean i haven't worked in co-working but just like such little it's a it's a tiny world um once you start to look for it and so it does make sense to me that you would have walked into my co-working space it's just funny because like so and i you know and the the thing that i was trying to drive at wasn't just more i do like talking about myself as you know but it's really to try to get to the point of like it wasn't, again, my story was that I spent all this time trying to find like a quote unquote, like regular job. And I finally yeah. get one working at work bar and it just didn't turn out the way that anybody thought it would. And so yeah. I was like, all right, what am I going to do next? And like, it wasn't a massive leap to move to LA because I had friends there and I'd lived there for many years and I had human beings who I can crash at their place and who know me and I know the area. So for me to, I have this like story of like, oh, I was working at a co-working space and I just took the leap and you know, my, my manifestations came true. Well, really what it was, was 20 years of, you know, building up connections and contacts and feeling comfortable with the space. So I guess what I was trying to drive at is that I don't think that that's your experience, right? Like I didn't, 
So I guess the question is like, how effort did it take and what, like what kind of thought process or steps had to take from you to go from um, wherever you were, I believe it was Chicago to living in LA, which is like both fundamentally a big leap, but like in the world, it's like, ooh, LA, it's like a whole other universe. So like, how is that transition or that leap for you? Yeah, I mean, gosh, okay, so like, LA was never part of the plan for like 10 years. I said, I hated LA and I'd never move here ever, 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 you know? (laughs) And then my roommate and best friend of like 15 years got an opportunity to move here. I was very miserable in Chicago and I just was like, well, screw it. Like, let's go. Um, And so, yeah, I did, I did come here with absolutely no plan. And I also came off the heels of like, I don't know how much you want me to get into it, but like, I had a difficult time in Chicago. I left a job, um, freelanced for six to eight months, didn't realize that what I thought I wanted, which was to freelance, was not what I wanted and was not good for me where I was. And then I ended up working in like basically like high-end retail. Like I worked with artists, made jewelry, (laughs) very like weird niche Chicago retail. Um, and that, this is when I decided to move, decided to move to LA. So it was also in this sort of really weird spot in my career. I had not really been networking in what had previously been either of my industries. Um, and I was like, really like had wiped my whole slate clean and was really questioning like what I wanted to do with, with everything. Um, and that was kind of where I was at when I moved to LA, it was spent to be like a fresh start. Um, but it really sucked. <laughs> like it really sucked. Um, It was really hard to find a job. It was a weird job market. I had a strange work history. I ended up being a hostess at a pop-up restaurant in the city, which was like a hookup through a friend in Chicago that I got very lucky to have. Um, And so I did that and I like read tarot and I like did dog walking on Rover for like six months (laughs) and applied for like a a billion jobs. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you out. I was just saying is that like, yeah, no, go ahead. I just want to, I just, I did want to interrupt to say that, to give you a little bit of props that like life is hard and you made it work. And the people that I know have that same exact story and whether they're happy about it or not, like they're surviving. And to me, that's the ball game. So I I didn't want to interrupt. I didn't want to cut you off. I just want to say that like, I'm proud of you and I'm proud of everyone else who can make it work on that, on those, on that level. Yeah. It was a weird experience. Like it wasn't great. It had no money. I still, for a long time, I had no money. (laughs) Um, And I, the other aspect of this is that I like, I chose to live in a very expensive house because my reason to move to LA was like, I needed to live by the ocean. We found a house with an ocean view. And I just was like, I will give everything to pay rent to live in this house. So that was essentially what I did for the first year that I lived here was give everything to have um, the home that I wanted. Um, And I'm a cancer. So like, that's deeply important to my sense of well-being. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm the same way. So, you know, like so I could have made it easier on myself by moving somewhere cheaper, but you know, like, like everybody, you move to LA, you want the lifestyle. And I was like, I want a beach view and I really want like a backyard. And I made that happen for myself. And um, yeah, I did a lot of random, a lot of random stuff. And I went, I don't know, I applied to a billion jobs. And then I just finally like gave up and went back to co-working essentially. <laughs> but, but I don't, Not in a negative way, but just like, rise. It just, uh, I, I just kept, I was just constantly hunting for jobs. And I, at some point started looking back at the co-working industry. And so you just eventually, if you have co-working experience and you apply to enough co-working spaces, you'll get a job because 
co-working experience is still relatively rare and a lot of people are hired from outside the industry and they love when you just like understand the system and understand like the dynamic between the members and you and stuff. So I did take like a minimum wage job working at the front desk. Like I started back at the beginning again, um, but it was like a steady job and a you know, potential for me to move up. And like, I did get promoted very recently. So Woo. pat myself on the back for that. Hey, that's awesome. It's the first time I've had a salary in six years. So, and there are ups and downs to that obviously as well. Um, yeah, but. I think that's the point is like, we're talking about like, well, everyone, everyone I talk to doesn't think they're a success. So the thing that I, so I'm talking about, you know, or we, you and I were talking earlier about success is that like, to me, my, you know, my level, my metric for success is irrelevant. But when I look at people who are, who I think are successful, I think of it as like, well, are, are they able to find a little glimmer of joy or hope while also having a roof over their head? Or like I have friends who like are living on the beach, like in their cars, like, and they're super happy. So more power to them. But I guess that's my point is that like, what I hear your story, I hear a person who's had mass amount of growth, who had a really cool amount of experiences and who, you know, has found, you know, again, living by the beach is kind of the quote unquote dream, but most people who live there don't ever get to see it because they're too busy paying for their house. But I know from your Instagram <laughs> that you're able to at least visit it a little bit. Right. And so I guess yeah. and that's sort of the point is that like, whether or not you have like the classic level of success, do you feel like you've grown and learned and like achieved more or achieved the things you want that brings you a certain amount of joy and comfort? Yeah. I mean, um, I, at one point here had five jobs. Um, and so I'm considering the fact that I have one and a half jobs. I also have a side hustle, but it's a really easy side hustle. So <laughs> I almost don't count it as a second job, but at one point I had five jobs and like, so I consider it a massive success that I have now worked my way back down to one job. What I hear from you is not that you wanted the kind of traditional, I want to live by the beach and say, so you have the Instagram photo that shows that I do. I'm the same way. Like I want to live by the beach because it, it makes me feel more of myself. It makes me feel yeah. not just happier. It makes me feel like I'm at home and that I'm more comfortable with myself. So that is, that is not to be um, discounted as like a, something to pay money for. Like I would, I would have a crappy car and not a lot of fancy clothes if I could live by the beach, because it makes me feel more alive. And if mm. that's what that does for you, then like more power to you, is what I say. So I have a couple more questions if you have time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. awesome. So the first thing I, I, I was gonna ask you about, or the one of the things I'm gonna ask you about was, I was uh, doing a presentation um, for a company that I work for doing marketing, but I was doing, we were trying to decide what our core values were. And like, I was trying to explain how um, determining what you stand for and what you're about and like your why as a company differentiates you in the marketplace. And then if that's an important thing to do, not just for help the, the company as like a financially, but because people who work there and who want to work there, want to buy from us, want to care and want to understand about who we are as people and not just this thing, this entity that creates products. So I gave this example of like, you know, I've been lucky enough again to be in co-working where I have a few kind of um, complimentary um, memberships at a bunch of different co-working spaces. And so I, I get to know the, the, the community managers and I'll ask them like, well, what's the, what's the, um, what, what sets you apart? Like what is, what makes this place special? 
And every single one, they say community. Now, for me, the way I look at it is like, well, that doesn't really, even if you know what community means, like it, it, it doesn't differentiate you because every single co-working space that I've talked to says that they're, you know, that the community is the thing that sets them apart. And, you know, in, in regards to the company that I was giving the presentation to, I was saying like, we don't want to just say that we sell software. We want to say that we sell software for this reason. We want to do this X, Y, or Z. So I guess my, my question to you is one, is whether it's about co-working or your life or community in general, one is, you know, I'll ask you in multiple questions. One is like, what is community? What does it mean to you? Um, why is it important? And how are, how does one find their community? Do you have any advice on how for folks to find the community that fits best for them, whether it's co-working or just in general? Yeah. So co-working, I can speak pretty specific. I'll speak to it both like my own sense of what I think about and stuff and also in co-working uh i think it's obviously every co-working space says that and um one it's not always true a lot of co-working spaces don't have a very strong sense of community amongst members meaning they don't interact a ton there isn't a ton of collaboration and some spaces really thrive on that so it's just like the thing that i think when what differentiates a co-working space is like a very intangible thing that is just best described is like culture fit. And most, I honestly have found working across a number of co-working spaces that most of the time people self-select into what community is appropriate for them. And I don't know what it is about co-working that that happens, but I feel like like draws like, not necessarily in terms of industry or age, but more in terms of like what they want from a workspace, how much they want to be interacted with, um, and so I think in terms of co-working, like, yeah, every place says that. And the reason there's no good answer is because every, sorry, there's a jet going over. <laughs> it's not, is not, is it okay? It sounds pretty close. Very loud. I live pretty close to the airport. Um, so like, uh, like community is, unfortunately, especially in a co-working space is like a very intangible quality and what somebody might find like pleasant community will be somebody else's personal working hell. So I would say if you're trying to figure out what differentiates a co-working space, like do a trial day. That's like, like just from a very practical standpoint on how to determine what, what differentiates one co-working community from another. And unfortunately, the only way to do it is to like work there for a day and see how quiet it is and how much people talk and if there's events and stuff that you'd want to go to. And like, some people don't want any of that. Some people want all of it. Um, so I don't know, it's kind of a nebulous thing. Yes. I, um, I like it. Very nebulous. But in terms of my personal idea, I'll say that I, I've been thinking my, my career start was in community. I ran a, a volunteer based like youth program for middle school students so we would do social justice programming and then volunteer in the community it was about 140 youths in the program altogether about 112 average every Saturday which is I think pretty impressive um and so um I got my start in like learning what community means and how to build a community because I had to like create that for a bunch of 12 to 15 year olds from like every different part of Boston, like from Brookline to Dorchester and, and how to make them all feel like welcome, comfortable enough to talk about their experiences with like racism or homelessness, which are very serious topics. Um, 
And so through that experience, I learned that one of the, I don't know, one of the biggest things is like, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. I apologize. It's rambly, but I recently, it's been a long time since I've been in the nonprofit world or I volunteered. And over the summer, I went to a Black Lives Matter general meeting in West Adams and, um, and they did something at city year every time we like a group discussion with ourselves as adults or the youths um, it's called a full value contract and you get everybody to agree to a set of like values and norms that guide the session while you're talking um, including stuff like no one speaks twice unless everyone speaks once kind of stuff um, and I did that at the Black Lives Matter meeting and I just realized like <sighs> community is creating a space where everybody feels like they have a stake in the environment and making it work for everybody. Um, like you have to actively participate for there to be community and there has to be spoken or unspoken common ground has to be found. Um, and so for me, that's kind of the baseline. I don't know if that's particularly profound, but it's something I have been thinking it about is. a lot as I like think about looking at creating my own community space. Um, and the more I've thought about my own career stuff is that like, like common ground and also boundaries are really important um, to creating a sense of community. And so the, a lot of that stuff has been on my mind recently. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, by the way, I'm gonna take that quote and I'm gonna use it to pr promote, promote the podcast on uh, LinkedIn, just so you know. What you described is 100% what we're talking about. <laughs> like that's- Yeah, it no. can't be imposed. It has to be group, group derived. So like I've struggled in my current, this is relevant, I promise. I've struggled in my current co-working space to build what I had perceived as co-working community as I had experienced it in other spaces and especially at work bar. And at a certain point I realized like these people just don't want that. And like me trying to force it and impose it on them is like not making me feel better and they don't want it. So what's the point? Yeah. And so just like yeah. realizing- which is sounds like a downer thing but no it's more about like meeting people where they're at and realizing like the common ground i wanted to have with these people is not it and that is part of building community is to see where people are at and what they need and then like adapting to that instead of trying to impose what you think community looks like upon a group what would you say to somebody who feels like they're not going to fit in in a community or a, you know, an environment or, um, you know, in LA, like, what do you say to someone who's like trying to make a change in their life, but doesn't feel that they'd be welcome? Well, first of all, I'd say just like, like in LA, it's really hard. I actually am really struggling to find community in LA. And I feel like I don't, I feel like I've had a hard time vibing with people. They think I'm weird or I don't know. So I will say like, I empathize with that struggle, but, but I also understand very well myself and that in new situations, it takes me a very long time to build friendships, even in a different city with a less bad stereotype about people. Like it took me a long time to feel settled in Boston. It even took me a long time to feel resettled in Chicago. And so I think it's no, if you're going to make a leap, it's important to know yourself pretty well, how much time you can spend by yourself, like how resilient you are, what you're willing to do to stay somewhere where you're happier. I've had a lot of times where I've had to check in with myself and be like, is it worth giving like literally everything I have to stay here when it would be easier and more affordable to move home? And I've like had to gut check and been like, no, it, it actually means more to me to be struggling here than to be easier at home. So I think 
I think like that is an important part of it is just to be really honest with yourself about what you're capable of and then to set whatever big change you make up to accommodate that. Like I could not have moved here by myself. I moved with a person and that was, I knew was really important for me to do okay here. Um, and that's fine. Like you might need a support system. You might not, you might need a stable job. You might not. Everybody's like boundary around that big change is different. Um, I don't, what was, I'm sorry. I feel like no, I, no, I was asking, I was asking a lot of, I asked a very complex question you asked if, on, yeah. purpose. on purpose. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, about fitting in. Oh, the other thing I'll say is in terms of industry, that's right. I was going to like, so in terms of like coming to a new place and not fitting in, like sometimes you just have to sit with that feeling. That's part of like moving to a new spot. So knowing yourself well and getting used to spending time alone is really important. But in terms of an industry, I feel like if you're willing to learn, there should be no issue with you going into any industry, even an unfamiliar one. And like, if you don't feel welcome in it, it is just probably not the company for you. And you shouldn't take it as a sign that you like can't work in tech or you can't work in journalism. I worked in art jewelry for Christ's sake with zero experience. And it ended up being one of the best work experiences of my life. I gained a new passion. I learned a buttload about an art form I knew nothing about. Um, and I was hired because like, I was competent and I advocated for myself and I felt like it felt like I didn't feel unwelcome for not knowing what jewelry was. Does that make sense? That's kind of a silly example, but like I've done that including like writing freelance for like tech companies, <laughs> you know, like you could apply, which I have done and felt like I had no right to do, but like, well, see, see that's that, that the thing, right? Like there's, that's the problem. Like there's, there's, there's gradations, right? There's, there, there's a there's a core problem that hits at different intensities and in different like seriousness. But like the core or the thing that drives it all is this: if if you're not if you don't have an influence, whether it's like uh, somebody on TV or your family or a role model or somebody showing you how much more you can be than what the world tells you you are, it's incredibly hard to break out of that. And so I guess the thing that I, I really appreciate what you said because I think that's that's the key ingredient, whether it's culture fit or, you know, uh, interest or vibe, or literally these people don't really look or sound like me, or just, I don't feel comfortable around them. It's very easy to internalize that and to say that like, it must be them and not, it must be me rather, and, and not the situation, right? Like it, it must, it must be doing something, I must be doing something wrong. And yeah, and I guess if you think of it less as like a, what they are rejecting you or vice versa if you think of it as like the way you would like find a partner or look for a car right like every company or job has a different fit right it's a fit exactly That's and I will also say that my entry into new uncharted industries and territories that fell outside of my experience mostly came from desperation now that I look back on it like it is usually <laughs> that I like moved without a plan or quit a job that was making me really unhappy or you know what I mean whatever it is that I was like well shh, I have no option but to like try and write for this blog that makes like office software that I know nothing about because it's the only thing that's offering me money and I'm gonna learn how to arrange flowers because I need a job and this florist is hiring and like yeah <laughs> that sort of um a lot of so a lot of those things have come out of honestly like desperate or difficult situations yeah, which is I, cool to think about that it can lead to a new skill set always um 
<sighs> yeah. I want to say this too. Like, um, I feel like I get a lot of people telling me and like, I think everybody already knows this, that like social media is a construct and whatever, but like, I think people do have this percent, like I do live in a dream place. I live like this gorgeous little cottage. I have an ocean view, all this shit stuff. Sorry. But like, um, no, we can, I also, we can swear. I also, um, okay. All this shit. And I, I also want to say that like, it has been, however nice my life is here, it has been a, a constant struggle to hold on to it. If that makes sense. Um, and I know that maybe someday either I will, it will become easier or I will be tired and move on. Like you said, who know? I don't know yet, but like, I do know that like my needs right now make it worth that struggle. But I also really want to make it clear that like, like I know a guy who has worked for all these different cool companies and like is the work nomad person. And he just moved to Mexico with his girlfriend because he works remotely and he can. And I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people look at my life by the beach and think all oh, whatever, I'm like, you know, the truth is, is I've had zero money for a full year. I have wondered every day how long I'm going to be able to stay where I am. You know, I'm sure this person that I'm talking about who just moved to Mexico has his own series of like ridiculous shit he has to go through in order to maintain his life. And I think it's, yeah, like you said, everything is a give and take. And so I do think it's important to like, make sure you're sacrificing the thing that matters for you and not the thing that you feel like matters for other people. Yeah. Or, or like yeah, exactly. as soon as I'm staying here because I want it to like, I don't want to admit that I'm like ready to leave California is like obviously the time to leave. Like you only fight to stay as long as it is like what is nourishing for your time of life, whether it's your career or your ability to recover from something or whatever. And like, I'm here to recover. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So and that's, that's the, the house by the beach. Yeah. I remember when I lived by the beach, I mean, I, my, I, my initials are uh, smack dab in Santa Monica. My roommates and I's initials are in the concrete there, and I love it. And I still love visiting. And I, you know, I get the same thing. I we have call it the Shire. I crash at my friend's uh, little, you know, cottage in Venice. And you know what you're talking about is exactly true. I think that these kinds of conversations are massively important because it's not like we talked about this earlier. Like I don't, I wasn't like, oh, we're talking about how much of a success you are. But in my mind, you're a massive success. And I was really super psyched because I, I, I was able to use my magical, you know, brainwave pattern to get you to admit that you thought you were a success too, which is what usually happens when you talk to me, not you, but like a person talks to me. Um, but so I, was, I think that's really important is that success is simply the, this, the reality that you say success is. If you feel like you're success, then you are. Like my level of success is not to have 10 million people see my videos, it's to have one person this is a true story, actually. My friend from Venice, when I was lived, my roommate, I used to have a roommate when I was in Santa Monica. We would went to the tiny little film festival in Venice Beach, and this young man came up to me and just told me how much this this movie that I directed changed his life. And it was this stinky hmm. little movie that we shot in Central Square, and the Weepies actually gave me their music, and Ruby Rose Fox was was actually an extra in any she, she wasn't supposed to be, and. Um, actually, my friend Doug, who now is lives in LA, um, was in it, and like it was very important to me, but it meant nothing to anyone else until this one guy saw. And for all I know, million people liking this, they aren't telling me, but you know, it was just it was meaningful to me, and it was far more meaningful than two million random strangers not saying in, in anything to me. But to have a person take the time and energy to say that they really enjoyed my work, like that's my metric. Now, if I were to, you know, if Let's put it this way, is that like, I'm betting that most people would want more than that. Um, but 
that's my metric. And so I think that's the trick is to like find ways to make, to find ways to, to live the life as best you can that you want to live and to, you know, kind of acknowledge that it's not always easy so that other people who are struggling don't feel so alone that they're struggling because we all are. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, I don't have any other questions really. I, I thought that was amazing. I'm going to, I'll chop this down a little bit. Um, but no, that was that was really interesting, and it, it provided a lot of. Um, I think the one listener we have, Doug. I don't know if that's his name. But I <laughs> kind of think his name is Doug. Uh, will really appreciate this. And the the quote you had about community, I'm going to steal for the rest of my life. That was really really strong, um, and I love it. I'm going to use it to promote this this um, podcast. So unless you have anything else you want to talk about, I I, I really appreciate your time, and uh, I want to thank you for joining us on the. What is it called again? It's called the That's What I'm Saying podcast. I always want to call it That's What, I, that's what I'm Talking About, but um, I'm wrong. I, I'm wrong about my own title. So <laughs> thank you once again for uh, yeah. joining us. And uh, hopefully you'll be on again when you're opening up your arts or your community space or... I'm sure it'll happen. I feel pretty confident about it. It's been a low-key dream of mine for quite a while. And so I think stuff that's stuck underneath a bunch of other stuff and still keeps coming up is usually a good sign. So right. thank you for like giving me a chance to talk about my small successes. I thought it was great. No, I really appreciate your time. So thanks again. And uh, everybody until next time, adios.